0: Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of your favorite Northeast Queens podcast, the Breakpoint Podcast, starring myself, Marcus, and my main man,
1: Frankie. I have a question for you. Do you say niche or niche? Probably niche. I say niche too, but I've heard people say niche and it made me feel self-conscious, so. Alright,
0: well, this is off to a good start. (laughs) anyways folks um it's been a it's been a month since we've actually talked about ongoing events on the uh, ATP tour so we're gonna wrap it up for you since February is kind of a boring month on the tour to be honest Usually easily the worst month on the tour easily yeah right up there with October that's another bad one yeah Frank's right on the money um February just sucks in general I have the feeling but yeah especially um especially with tennis remember when they had the New York open here in February Wow.
1: Uh, yeah, there's a video by our main man, Colt Tennis, that talks about exactly why the New York Open was doomed from the start. Uh, I would suggest that everyone watch that video. It is absolutely hysterical. Uh, shout out to Marcus for hitting with the podcast favorite Bernard Tomic during the New York Open. Uh, shout out to Bernie. Hope you're doing well.
0: We're going to get Bernie on the pod, I swear. We will get him on the pod. He's, uh, he's, gom- he's making a comeback, so he's going to qualify for the Open, hopefully. Anyways, let's talk, uh, Frank, let's kick off uh, what happened in the month of February. So first thing I think we, we should mention is uh, our f- one of our favorite players on tour, Juan Martin Del Pocho. unfortunately had to uh, retire from the game of tennis. He cited that his knee problems have been getting ever worse, and he could barely even make it back for the uh, one or two matches that he played at the Argentina open it was unfortunate to see him go like that he was in tears you could just tell he wasn't really right but Delpo brought so much to the game just just brought the really a great human aspect of it, it was just a gentle giant could absolutely ball I mean we've never seen anybody hit a bigger forehand than this at six foot six was just an absolute hammer. Um, if you've ever seen YouTube videos they have him as Thor where he's literally got a giant hammer and just clubs the ball. Uh, when he was, I believe when he was 21, right, he beat Nadal and Federer back to back to when the, uh, the U.S. Open, his only Grand Slam, and then came back nine years later after four wrist surgeries and I believe one knee surgery at that point to make the final of the 2018 U.S. Open. So whenever this guy came back from injury, immediately catapulted himself back to the top five or the top ten the least and was always a threat at any Grand Slam. Fantastic player to watch. I really had such a great time watching him play and it's unfortunate that he couldn't continue. We've had a discussion about this, about how we think that he could have actually taken away from slams from the big three during his career. Um, so Frank, tell us you know, how much Del Potro basically meant to you and what your thoughts were on his retirement.
1: I love Del Potro.
0: I really do. I mean, growing up, Del
1: Potro was just the guy that was not a big three member that I think everyone our age was obsessed with. He was so much fun to watch. He was such a good guy also. Like, no off-court issues with him. Super friendly. Uh, I think it was also great to have somebody from South America be at the forefront of the game uh, because the game is just so European dominant right now and probably will continue to be. So, yeah, Delpo was is amazing. And I don't think that the game, the game... You can look at the top players now and you can see Del Potro's influence right away. Right. The game has gotten astronomically taller since you and I started playing tennis when we were like five, six years old, like average heights, probably like three inches taller. And that is simply because of Del Potro. There's just no other words, because up until Del Potro, everybody thought that if you were above six foot three, you've got to be playing like Goran Ivanisevic and just, you know, bomb serve, come up to volley because you can't move at the baseline. And Del Potro just completely broke that mold, and everyone that's come since uh, has been following in his footsteps. So uh, I wish Del Potro the best in retirement. I love him as a player. Um, I also think it's really unfortunate, the situation that happened with him with his father and his finances, and you know he's kind of in a crappy spot. But I think, luckily for him, he is so well-liked and so well-loved. He is going to get a fat, lucrative commentary deal from whoever he chooses to go with. And that will be money well spent and well deserved. And I think he should absolutely be a commentator because commentators, quite frankly, on the major networks are all way too old and way too out of touch, in my opinion. And it's always good to get a younger breed in there. Um, I think that even when Jeannie Bouchard, Marcus is not a fan of hers. Does commentary for Tennis Channel, it's really good to hear a a different voice. And I think somebody that's besides, you know, Patrick McEnroe, John McEnroe, Jim Currier, uh, Darren Cahill, Brad Gilbert, besides those guys doing it, somebody like Del Potro, who's played against a lot of the guys that are on tour right now I think would be really really
0: cool so hopefully he does that yeah I hope his English is good enough to honestly do that right if not put him on some Spanish commentary or somewhere in Argentina or in Spain he would be a great addition Um, also I would love to see him as the Argentine Davis Cup slash ATP captain I think that would be awesome also
1: just the picture that would be taken of him next to Diego Schwartzman absolutely hysterical (laughs) oh god this is Next topic. (laughs) There's a foot difference between the two of them. Schwartzman, I think Schwartzman's listed at like five seven or five eight. No chance. No chance. Maybe with high heels on. Okay, whatever. Um, I love Diego Schwartzman for what it's worth. I do Um, do, too. We've gone on on a tangent though. Okay. Um. (laughs) Anyway, on to better news. Okay. Uh, Carlos Alcaraz won the Rio Open, which is a 500 level tour event which is a pretty big deal considering that he's 18 years old still, which is kind of astounding. And not only did he win, he, like, destroyed everyone in that tournament. This guy looks so scary. I would not want to play him, quite frankly, on any surface, let alone clay. Um, And, yeah, I think Carlos Alcaraz is progressing even faster than I thought, and I thought he would progress fast. So, uh, yeah,
0: What, what do you think about Alcaraz? Um, I've never seen an 18 or 19 year old that jacked. That it's incredible how jacked he is, and two, he is just such a beast. He's literally a right-handed version of Rafael Nadal, but even bigger and stronger. I'm very excited to see what's going to happen. I think that he can potentially break out at one of these next two big events, Indian Wells or Miami. Be on the lookout. I would actually probably say Indian Wells rather than Miami because the courts are a little bit slower. Uh, Miami's known for being relatively quick. So I think he could break out there and watch the hell out on the clay season, man. That is going to be the number one thing I think Frank and I are going to be looking out for him on the clay season leading up to the French Open. And in the French Open, depending on, you know, what shakes out with the draw there.
1: I could totally see him winning a Masters 1000 on clay. I I really think very good likelihood that that happens especially if nadal goes down or you know Djokovic isn't allowed to play in one or whatever but he does have a lot of competition but i i think there's a good chance um anyway moving on we got a lot to get through so marcus and i are trying to try to not go on tangents and by marcus and i we mean i will try to not go on tangents rublev uh our main man who we have really you know we've flamed. lit him up on this flamed. podcast yeah. a lot absolutely. quite flamed. frankly so Rublev uh, gotta give him a lot of credit won back-to-back tournaments back to winning ways some good victories uh he looks like he's back I mean he looks re- he's looked really good in those uh in these two tournaments that he's won Marcus what do you, what do you what's changed
0: I've noticed a trend with Rublev Frank have you noticed this too that he plays really well in like the first few months of the year and then like the middle of the year, he plays you know decently, and then like the last few months of the year, he just does not play well at all. This is not the first year that I'm really seeing this. Um, I think what's changed is that he just has his confidence back, and he's someone who need he's such a big hitting player that he really needs to believe in himself and his confidence. Because when he's on and he's confident, not many people on this planet can beat this man at tennis. And he's most comfortable in hard courts, right? We're entering into kind of a little mini hard court swing here with Indian Wells and Miami, I think he could do some damage, and then he's also a decent clay court player, so we'll see what he does there, but I'm really excited to watch him play at Indian Wells and uh, and Miami.
1: Yeah, I'm just happy that he's back because I think last year was just not indicative of the talent that he has. I think any guy that hits the ball as hard and well as Andre Rublev does is a threat to upset any of these top guys, and uh, to see Rublev be back to what he was for most of 2020 is good uh, and it shows there wasn't a lightning in a bottle situation so that's great I'm happy for Rublev I think he probably does do some damage more in Miami than Indian Wells Uh, I think he'll probably do fine in Indian Wells but Miami is going to be more his
0: his jazz uh, yeah the courts are a little bit quicker there and I think that suits his game a little bit better with his uh, with his speed and you know the way that he cracks the ball so yeah really excited for him uh, and, and tennis kind of needs that right now. I need another person to kind of step up, maybe hopefully can break up like the new big three that we've quote unquote got going on.
1: Uh and I'm gonna skip our one of I'm gonna skip a few of the topics that we have written down here, but I'm gonna go straight to speaking of winning, Felix Alger al-Yassim finally, finally wins an ATP tournament. Yeah, that, that was <laughs> that worth is, skipping over. That is one of the most astounding stats in all of tennis. He was 0-7. And then he finally wins one in Rotterdam. Um, I'm very happy for him. Totally deserved. As we've mentioned on this pod a few times, Felix has looked so much better this year. That backhand looks like every kink has been sort of worked out. It's really on the ascendancy. He has a great play style aesthetically to watch for like a neutral tennis viewer. So very happy for him. He's gonna be—he's a top ten player in the world right now. I think he's gonna be right in the thick of it to finish in the top eight to uh, qualify for an ATP World Tour final spot. Um, if not, like I think, favored to get that, get there. So um, yeah, I'm I'm happy for him. Uh, good for Felix. Hopefully, this is like the monkey off the back that he can now like really start racking up some titles and and be a threat at uh some of these masters 1000s i actually think he's going to cause a lot of damage in indian wells but that's for the last part of the podcast
0: yeah i think um i think he can absolutely be a threat there and it's really exciting to see him kind of come out of his shell a little bit win a tournament he beat stefano sitipas in the final which is also a legitimate win right it's not like a shout out to casparu not like a casparu type win where he doesn't beat anybody he hey 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 hey. (laughs) no you can't say that you can't say that Casper Ruud
1: <laughs> beat Diego Schwartzman in Argentina on clay. Oh no, no, I'm done. So I'm you can't. Pre- that was no BS. That was no, a sick win.
0: No, no, this was this was his pre- this was last year. I've res- I've I've acknowledged that he is becoming amazing. So, quick pause.
1: And we're back from Marcus's diabetes pause. So, <laughs> um, so, so, uh, right back into it. Uh, Speak, speaking, next... of speaking of diabetes. Oh, no. Um, oh,
0: I am not. No comment on that. <laughs> Alexander Zverev uh, went absolutely ballistic in, uh, in Mexico. Top five uh, tennis meltdown of all time. Yeah, for sure. If you haven't checked it out, they probably did not show this on ESPN because it is definitely NSFW, not safe for work. So if you do get a chance, go on YouTube. uh, Just look up Alexander of Alcapulco. He, for some reason, he was playing doubles with Marcelo Melo. Horrible call was made. To be fair, I understand why he did go off because it was a horrible call, but... Men he went ballistic, dropped multiple F bombs, uh, and then after the match, which ended like two points later, goes up to the referee's chair and starts like slashing his racket at the referee's chair right below the ref's foot, which could have gone horribly wrong, was clearly trying to intimidate him and uh was subsequently kicked out of the Alcapulco singles tournament. <laughs> uh fined, I believe it was forty thousand dollars. Um, and I'm pretty sure he's never allowed in Mexico again. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know that. But yeah, it was a really bad look for him. I don't know what's going on. Maybe it's his. I I don't know. But it's uh, it's a little concerning that he hasn't played the way that we thought that he would kind of break out this year yet. And I think it's um, it's honestly a little disappointing. Shout out to the defending champion
1: of the Acapulco Open, Sasha Zverev, for getting kicked out of the tournament. <laughs> we have a Novak Djokovic situation on aisle twelve. Um, no, I, I listen. Zverev, <laughs> Zverev is just, you know, that was a top tier tennis meltdown of all time playing with his, you know, BFF uh, mellow uh, in doubles. So I'm pretty sure Zverev is never playing doubles again. But uh, I, I will say this one thing about it, right, that the, the one thing that Marcus hasn't highlighted is, is that. This is just such another example of why line judges should not be a thing anymore and all of these tournaments should just have Hawkeye Live so we can move on and not have these situations anymore. It's ridiculous. And, like, tournaments move so much faster with Hawkeye Live, it's not even funny. So I don't know why it's not a thing. That's, like, one thing from from COVID that tennis should take and be like, yeah, you know what?
0: We should have been doing this permanently to begin with. I don't know why we're not doing it now. Yeah, it's like when doctors still need to like fax over referrals instead of just email. carrier pigeons. Yeah, carrier pigeons. I mean, seriously, this is getting ridiculous, folks. So yeah, um, yeah, whatever. It's fair of when bananas. So whatever. Another thing that we wanted to discuss, Frank, uh, the comeback of Dominic Team. Fine. Well, let's hopeful comeback because he's announced that he was going to come back like three times and has not yet. So well, let's hope uh, that he actually comes back. He's scheduled to play Indian Wells. Has been training in Miami uh what do we expect from him
1: uh nothing quite frankly (laughs) i agree quite frankly nothing um yeah i don't know i i i i love dominic team i i don't think this is a secret dominic team is probably like my favorite player that's currently on the tour right like i I just i love his play style i love you know yeah i mean he's just great Marks and i are both massive fans of his but um you know it, it, it I, I don't expect anything from him. I think it's just been a little bit too long off the tour at this point. And uh, it's it's going to be really hard for him to sort of, you know, just, just come right back on the tour like this. Uh, there's probably going to be a few months of pain, quite frankly. Um, but hopefully by the U S open, he's at least in a place where he feels confident again and, uh, he can maybe do some damage. But quite frankly, I think there is a very high chance that he gets bounced in the first round of Indian Wells. Um, as much as I love Dominic team, I really do like think that depending on who his matchup is, he could get bounced in the first round just because he's he hasn't played tennis in,
0: like, a year. Well, I mean, he's been training the last couple of months, and damn, give the guy some respect. He won Indian Wells three years ago, and you're already calling for him to get bounced in the first round. That's a ridiculously it t- hot take.
1: It's It's not really a hot take, because like there is such a difference between screwing around and practicing an actual ATP-level competition. Oh, and
0: you, d- and you, you don't think Dominic team out of all people, knows that? The guy's played more matches than anybody. I'm sure he'll be fine. Unless you put him up against Medvedev first round, I think he can win a first round. He's He's gonna be a wild card, right? No, he's still ranked high. I'll check out what his ranking is right now. I don't. I think he's
1: lost a lot of his points because it's been over a year. I don't think he has like ultra protected ranking still. If he's got a top, you know, twenty ranking, he'll win his first like first round, second round match. But like if he's going in as a wild card or like fiftieth in the world or something like that, he could get matched up against Alcaraz and like Alcaraz, I I think would beat Dominic team.
0: Yeah, he's he's ranked fifty right now, but you know he'll be fine he'll win a match
1: Whatevs. um yeah i mean I, I hope i'm wrong i i i hope i'm wrong but i i just it's so hard to project what he's going to be um i also yeah, do really... I, I
0: don't expect anything from him i don't i don't like he'll win maybe a round or two and then maybe probably lose or something. And then, you know, the, I have, honestly, he's a complete wild card for the clay season. Let's see how fast he can ramp it up. I don't really see him winning Roland Garros or something like that. But, you know, again, he can never really count him out, especially on clay. We'll see what happens with him in the wrist. I'm also a little bit concerned that that injury might come back because there was a lot of debate whether or not he should get surgery on it. Should I not? I've had to push my comeback, you know, a little bit further back. Uh, there's a couple of concerning factors with him that I'm very I'm We out.
1: spoke about Del Potro on this podcast. I'm getting a lot of Del Potro vibes. Anytime that a player has a wrist injury it really scares me. It especially really freaks for the, me
0: out. Especially for the way that he plays with so much spin and that one-handed backhand. Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit scary. I'm, uh, yeah, I don't know how to feel about it. So. Yeah, I mean, listen, I think on clay,
1: I, but like you said, complete wild card. Guy could totally win a Masters 1000 on clay and it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest just because on his day, he's the best dirt baller in, in the world at this point. But uh, yeah, I mean, on hard court, I, I, I don't, I, I can't see him, you know, getting past getting to like the quarterfinal or semifinal of Indian Wells or something. I, I don't I don't think that's his expectation, and I don't think that should be anybody's expectation of him. If he can win a match or two, I think that would be a major W for for Dominic team's comeback of like, oh, okay, he's gonna be fine. Like give this guy a few months, no problem. So uh, the last thing that we wanted to talk about the hottest so, player in tennis, yeah, Rafael Nadal. Starting the season 13-0, and the best start of his entire career, by the way. At age, what is it, 35? 36, ri- whatever ridiculous. he is. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. And,
0: and he beats Medvedev again. Now he's 3-0. And it was
1: destructive. Medvedev. Destructive. Not oh, no. even close that match. There was one game that had like 15 deuces. That was amazing, that game, by the way, if you didn't get a chance to see it. But unbelievable how how Nadal is able to just handle Medvedev.
0: Yeah, I this is this can be a problem for Medvedev and for Djokovic this year. If Nadal keeps playing like this, man, shoot. Watch out. He might rack up multiple slams this year. Very very important to keep watching this situation. Last thing we're going to talk about here, Frank. We got Indian Wells next week. Who do we got winning?
1: Yeah, uh, I have thought about this one. I think it is really hard to project. I don't think this surface is particularly good for Daniil, quite frankly. He hasn't historically done super well at Indian Wells uh, in the past. So I, I this is going to sound crazy. I honestly think that FAA would be the person that I would put money on. I think that FAA has just been playing so well. I think from, uh, you know, the fact that he's gotten this monkey off his back now is a really big deal. I think he's going to have a really good tournament. The other player, quite frankly, that I think is another huge threat is Carlos Alcaraz. I I just, I would not want to play this kid, (laughs) quite frankly. So I, I think the combination of the guys that we've spoken about already on the podcast of Rublev, Alcaraz, and um FAA all have to be serious threats. Uh obviously you can't discount Daniel Medvedev or Alexander Zverev. Zverev just made the quarterfinal, made the semifinals of Indian Wells last year, right? But uh, you know, I, I, if I had to place a wager on someone, I would say FAA. I, I think this is gonna be FAA's breakout you know, real breakout tournament that he wins.
0: I'm going to come up with a little bit of a hot-ish take on who I think could win Indian Wells. Stefano Sitsipas. No, I was thinking that too. I, I don't think, think that's a hot take. That's I think, a good, that's a good I, call. I really think that this is a surface that will suit him. Uh, the ball flies a little bit faster, however, a little bit higher in uh, at Indian Wells. Court is very usually very slow. He does well at these ty- on these types of courts as we've Very seen on Australia like feel in India yeah, Wells. I think that the and you know what, even slower than Australia, which even suits him more, gives him a lot of time to wind up on his one handed backhand. I think that he can do some damage. So I'm gonna go with Sitsipause for this tournament.
1: Yeah, I I was thinking about Sitsi Pass too. My only thing with that is is that um I just think he, he literally just played FAA a few weeks ago and and granted different surface different everything but i i think that that's a really potentially bad matchup for him and i think that FAA FAA is going to going to br- I I don't know. I just I just have this feeling about FAA. Um and of course now that i say i have this feeling FAA will get upset in the second round. So against Dominic Team. yeah, that honestly that would tie out for this podcast. Yeah, so. that that
0: would yeah, that would that's that's on par.
1: I can't wait for Cam Nori to defend his Indian Wells crown.
0: Oh God! Or Bernard Tomic to make it. Well, he's actually not even in. He didn't even make the qualifying list. No. Ouch. No, he did. No,
1: he did not. Oh, here's here's one that I want to hear your opinion on for Indian Wells. Um, another channel. Uh, another uh, podcast favorite. Uh, Yannick Sinner. Right. Where do you think that he ends up here? Because. This is a tournament like he, he recently lost to Hubi Hercash, got really pretty much destroyed by herkash in Dubai, changed his coach, is going to be working with people of laundry now um, rather than Ricardo Piatti. So what, what do you make of Sinner? What do you what what do you anticipate him doing in this tournament?
0: Round of 16 or quarters. I don't see him making it past that. I don't think he's ready yet. Yeah, I think and, dead on. I think that's dead on. And I think that with an, the introduction of a new coach who you've literally only worked with for two weeks, meanwhile your previous coach you've worked with since you basically came out of the womb, that's going to be an adjustment, not only just tennis-wise, but also just mentally, kind of looking up in your box and seeing someone else. You got to build that level of trust. I don't. I think his talent gets him to round of sixteen of quarters, but he's going to come up against another big dog like an FAA, a Siti Pasa, a of I don't think he's beating one of those yet. The- so,
1: I agree with your prediction. I think it's round of 16 or quarters. But the one thing that I will say that's different um, about Sinner's situation from what you've just described is that Pippo Valandre is really involved with the Italian Davis Cup team, and that is why Yannick Sinner is very familiar with him as a coach. Good so, shot. there's, there's a lot of familiarity there. So, that sort of growing pain, I don't think will be as drastic, quite frankly. Um, but that being said it is a new coach, uh, it is something different. Uh, and I think that, uh, yeah, I I just think round of 16 quarterfinals is where, uh, Yannick is going to end up. But, uh, I'm curious to see him on these two, these two tournaments because he is defending points in Miami where he got to the final. So this is, these are a big two tournaments coming up for him. So, We'll see what happens. Uh, the, I think this this tournament, these two tournaments, are the most important ones that are going to happen until probably the the, the clay one thousand start coming up. So what what's the first one? It's either Rome or Monte it's always, Carlo.
0: It's always Monte Carlo, Madrid, Rome, the French.
1: Yeah. So this is the most important one until Monte Carlo. Uh, let's see what happens. Uh, Indian Wells is a tournament that Marcus and I definitely want to try to go out to at some point. Um, just because it literally seems amazing. So uh, that being said, enjoy the tennis. It's going to be a great tournament. Indian Wells is always a great tournament, and uh, it'll be nice to have tennis that's actually on like at a reasonable time for us, which will be an, uh, a welcome change from uh, me staying up until three o'clock in the morning watching uh, Acapulco or whatever whatever tournament I was watching then. That was kind of ridiculous. So whatever. Uh, anyway, Thanks for listening, everyone. Really appreciate it. Uh, As always, you can find us on Instagram at breakpointpodcast7. Uh, Email us if you want. I mean, we check it. No one does. Who cares? DM us. uh, Participate in the polls that we have. Um, We really appreciate any participation you guys are able to give there. And if you have any topic ideas you want to be on the podcast, please do not hesitate to reach out. We'd love to have you on. And uh, oh, of course. How could I forget? send your carrier pigeons to the Long Island Railroad at Broadway. So uh, thanks for listening, and I will uh, catch you guys next time.
0: Vikas, stop listening to the podcast and go to class, son. Shout out to
1: Guy and Emma.